Welcome to the API experience. 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 Hi, everyone, and welcome to the API experience. My name is Matt McClarty. I'm the CTO of Boomi, and it is awesome having you here. It's also mega awesome having Mr. Mike Amundsen. Mike, what's up? Uh, I guess not much. It's mega, whatever it is. It's good <laughs> to be here. I'm looking forward to the episode. I'm particularly excited about our guest today. Yes, me too. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a sunny day here in Vancouver. I, as, a, as a stereotypical Canadian, I started my day on in an ice rink on the ice uh, coaching my son's hockey game. So I'm both energized and tired at the same time. But the <laughs> yes, definitely the discussion that's coming is uh, is exciting and will give me lots of energy here. So how are things in Kentucky? That's fine. Actually, we're getting the real, you know, fall season, lots of color in the trees, mm. you know, some great, I've been out doing some biking and some hiking and they're really enjoying the colors. It's so one one of my favorite times of year. The the only time I love more is when there's lots and lots of snow, which we don't get much in Kentucky. Ah, so this is fun. We can we can help you with that from up here. Yeah, that's, you want, that's we right sent, now. I, we I, sent I, the I forest the fire ice. smoke. We sent you the forest <laughs> fire smoke earlier in the summer. Yeah. So this maybe we'll send yeah. you some snow. Okay. okay. Anyway, with all that said, uh, we actually have our guest coming from from overseas today. Uh, and he is a very special guest. He's, of course, an old friend of ours, uh, an alumnus of the API Academy group when we were there. Today's guest is Mr. Eric Vilda, who is an, you know, a, a globally known API expert, co-author of the Continuous API Management book from O'Reilly, host of the Getting APIs to Work YouTube channel, and just general, general all-around great guy. Eric, welcome to the API Experience. Thank you. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. And I am coming indeed from overseas from your point of view, from a wonderful <laughs> Zurich in Switzerland. I, I I do not have any great weather things to report. I <laughs> ran around in the rain today, but it was okay. It was not too cold. Okay. Well, it's still manageable here in uh, in the end of October. Well, yeah, no, it's that, that you may, you raised a good point, right? You're, you, you, we're overseas, I guess, from your perspective. So we'll put it that way. Um, so the, the topic, uh, the topic of the day, the Latin version of the topic is actually comes from a talk that Eric gave at, recently at the API conference in Berlin, uh, Quo Vadis API Management. I guess we're going to sort of translate that to, you know, where, where API management is going. But before we get into the, the meat of that, you know, it's, it's, we always like to have our guests share their journeys into the world of APIs. And Eric, I know you have a very interesting uh, journey. So, so can you share, how did you end up in this crazy world of APIs? It's all Mike's fault. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it is, it is. Yeah. So, um, so I worked like I started in computer networks. I worked in computer networking for a long time, and um, and and then I got into web services. And um, at that point, I was still working at universities, doing research around um, XML and around how to design web services. And and RESTful web services were a big thing back then. And I think this is how our paths crossed Mike uh, a long time ago at RestFest and and other events where we talked about. Mm -hmm 
the one true way of building APIs, so to speak. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and at some point, my uh, my voyage in the academic world ended, and I passed over to the dark side. We some of my as some of my <laughs> friends used to say, and um, I I started working in in APIs. Which at that point, I first had to learn that APIs also can be network things. For me, they were just local APIs, but that's just a different terminology. And I've been working in that part of the, let's say, computer networking space. I, I still like to think of it as computer networking and, and uh, information systems, so to speak, since I think 2011. I will just add here, uh, first of all, it's not my fault. Second, <laughs> um, that is really a, a, a very modest version of, <laughs> uh, of your path. Um, I remember, I think, I think we, we met maybe at a W3C event, um, at the first time we were met in person, but we were involved online. Um, you've written several books, actually, you go all the way back to, you were very, very busy in the XML days. Hmm. It's fantastic to, to get your perspective. I know I learn every time we work on a project together, I learn something new and it's, it's, it's really, it's really fun. Uh, and I'm really happy that you could join us today because we've got lots of questions about what you've been doing lately. Yeah, and also I, I have to say, right, so the first time we actually worked together kind of as a team with Mike, right, was actually in the CA API Academy back in the days where Matt was our uh, glorious leader. <laughs> and um, I think this is how we got started to really focus on APIs and um, try to make sure that everybody knows what to do or at least has a good idea of why they're doing it and i think we're still busy doing that yeah definitely we've had that common cause for a while now and uh, and certainly i think even with the explosion of new innovations and you know we've had new protocols come up with graphql and grpc and people doing event-driven apis and async apis and now we've had all this explosion of ai technologies and so on you know i think a lot of those best practices that we've been promoting for <laughs> for a while Right. They still apply. So and, and I think that's good framing for for our question to launch into the topic, because I know APIs, as you described, have been around quite a while. But you know, API management sort of emerged as a category and kind of into the into the public consciousness around 2008, 2009. I think maybe Mashery was the ones who started that term. Um so what, but, but right now, you know, there's been, that's been 15 years of evolution, even just in the API management space. So I guess, Eric, first question to get us going on our topic, like what is your definition of API management? Oh, that's, that's a very tough question. So the way I like to frame it is that there are probably two kind of not competing, but different ways how people like to talk about it. So one is the relatively, I would say, narrow technical definition of API management, where you kind of look at what the typical gateway is. So management really in that case is the, the technical runtime management of an API. So you put something in front of it and then you try to make sure that you do whatever needs to be done as much as you can in that component so that it doesn't have to be done every single time you create new APIs. So you have this kind of security functionality, maybe certain kind of access control, throttling, whatever it is that, that you can identify as generic functionality. And I think this is kind of the, the, the narrow view of API management. The, 
the much more wide view is what nowadays also a lot of people call, call full lifecycle API management, which is this much bigger question of why are you using APIs? How are you designing them? How are you testing them? How are you deploying them? How, how are you operating them? How are you um, deprecating them? Like the, the whole idea of managing APIs, I would say, as products, not so much just as the technical endpoint that needs some kind of security infrastructure in front of it. And that's the view of API management. I kind of like better these ways, but I would say that both of these are ways of how people use the term that you can still find. Um, and personally, my my preferred way of talking about management is this wider view of the, the full API lifecycle management. We've talked about this before uh, in, in several instances, but I think one of the things that really stands out is when you talk about those two things where you're talking about this notion of sort of the, the technical implementation details, the things like throttling and security and monitoring and managing uh, traffic and so on and so forth. Um, that's a very sort of engineering point of view. It, it seems like organizations kind of get that, that it's, it's a tangible, measurable kind of thing. And, and when you start to think of the bigger picture, the full life cycle, the, the notion of management and sort of the general management term, not the not management of technology, but just management, um, that gets to be a lot fuzzier, right? It's, I mean, it really depends on where you are, what kind of organization it is, what you're focusing on. There's, there's a lot of moving parts to that. And I think w one of the things I, that I, I think you kind of bring to this discussion is you are you are very widely traveled. You've always been a person that I've, I've kind of like I'm watching your you know photo stream and so on and so forth. You you you've been on a bit of a world tour lately as well. What kind of cities and countries are you visiting for? What kind of events are you involved in just just recently? And how does that sort of fit into that sort of API management discussion? Yeah, that was that was actually pretty unhealthy the last couple of weeks. Um, <laughs> I, I can't even quite stitch it together. I think it started with API Days London um, yeah. sometime in September. Uh, so that was like one of the well-known API Days events in London. Then I think the week after that, I traveled. That was more of an internal event, some, uh, some big company in Spain. They were launching their API program. After that, what was after that? Um, I have a hard. I think there was another uh, another London event. Oh, geez, before Melbourne. No, Melbourne. Yeah, then there was, yeah, was Melbourne, Melbourne, Australia, right? Melbourne, Australia. There was another API yeah. days. That was um, where actually along the way I met our good friend Ronnie Mitra from the API oh, Academy yeah. days in Bangkok of all places. Yes, and then after Thailand. that, I was. Week after that was London again for more like a developer-centric conference in London, the JAX conference. Uh, oh, yeah. And then this week, um, no, last week I was in Berlin. That was another API conference. Uh, <laughs> right. And then this week I was in Cologne. Um, yes. So, and next week I'm not going anywhere, which is great. Um, yeah, but that was a busy couple of weeks of traveling. But yeah, there are so many. I mean, I was just, I have to say, I was really impressed and also a little bit surprised that both the events in London and in Melbourne, both these API Days events, they both had pretty substantial new records in terms of registered participants. And 
I was thinking that, you know, maybe this API topic, at least most people would think, well, it's not new anymore. Maybe it's not that interesting anymore. Or I was expecting that it might level, um, that would just level off a little bit, but the opposite seems to be the case. There is a growing interest and um, that's actually great to see that you have more and more people who are interested in the topic and who think that this matters for them in some shape or form. I mean, I think that leads right in. So at the Berlin conference, um, you had this presentation, which, which Matt, I kind of alluded to already, I think Quovatis API management. Okay. So where's the API management going? Um, that's kind of like, what are the futures? So, um, what's, what's the basic idea of this talk here? What, what was your, what was your point of view on this uh, at the Berlin event? Yeah. So the starting point, of course, is always a little bit of history because I think it's always interesting to also look back. Um, and in particular, if, if you sometimes talk to some people who are a little bit newer to the API space, they're just wondering why some things are the way they are. And sometimes it's just helpful to know a little bit of the history that allows you to maybe better understand and accept why certain things are the way they are. And then um, the main the main perspective of the presentation or of the topic actually is to look forward at where things are going. And there's this really, I think, funny picture that, that Mark O'Neill came up with, Mark O'Neill of a Gartner, who talks about the gateway Soros, like this idea of, you know, this big overweight not quite fit for survival anymore uh, gateway where we can see that the tr traditional gateway vendors were putting more and more um, features into their products. And at some point they become these really overweight um, kind of monolithic software things that are not really all that modern anymore. And that now we see a new crop of gateways showing up, which are much more modern, have a much lower footprint, don't do as much, but are much more focused. And that we also see um, that this, this general ecosystem of API-focused tooling is growing at a very, very rapid pace, which means that as somebody in that space now, instead of picking the right vendor, now your job actually is to make sure that you build things in a way that you can pick all kinds of vendors. And, and right. the main skill then is to build a platform where you can combine the best tools, pick up new ones when they become available. And, and I think that's something that some organizations still have to adapt to, that it's not so much about like picking my management solution, but more setting setting me up in a way that I can do the management that I want to do that helps me most and that very likely will consist of a whole bunch of different components. And um, and one thing that I was really happy uh, about, of course, is that I, I called that in some previous talks, I, I called this that the, the great unbundling because we mm -hmm. see that this big tools are getting, it's getting kind of broken down into more components by different vendors. And... Um, there was one. There was one post by Mark uh, where he where he actually quoted me and talked about the great mm. unbundling. And uh, I, I always have to milk that because when Gartner <laughs> quotes you, you, that's what you have yeah. to do. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Well, and Mark, hey, Mark's great with the gateway source. I remember when he had the uh, back in the day he had the API mullet, which was you know rest in the front, soap in the back. That was that was good. Too. <laughs> that was, that's no, that a good is. one too. Yes. Yeah, yeah, Maybe we're over that now, but uh, yeah, the, the Saurus yeah. is definitely still with us. Mark, if you're listening, uh, we're fans of your, your terminology. There. Anyway. Um, but, but I think that's a good point. I think, I think it's almost 
regardless of vendor, the idea of first understanding what capabilities you need under that umbrella term of API management is an important consideration now, rather than treating it as just one, as API management, as, as one capability. There's really a whole bunch of capabilities, which, which may, may, you know, you may end up with your own tooling in there, you know, some unbundled vendor tooling it could be a full suite, but, but the point is you need to understand what the capabilities are and what you want. Now, something you mentioned that you, you kind of started with a, or, or a mention of history there. And, and as you gave in your, your intro, you know, you've been, you've been watching the evolution of the web and involved in the, in the standards bodies that are, you know, standardizing the web. Yes, the World Wide Web. I know in your companion piece to this, you were saying, "Does anyone use that term anymore?" <laughs> Maybe they don't. But um, you know what? What is it? Because there's one of these things that we've seen in the web API space is sometimes that there's there's patterns and practices that go against the the lessons of the web. Do you think there's still things that people could learn from the web in general and apply in the API? in the API management space? Like what are people missing out on that could be some obvious lessons from the web? That's a really good question. I, I, don't, I don't think there's really big lessons that, that we're missing out on. But what, what I see is because I, I come from that background. I come from the background of how do we build a global information system? And in my mind, a lot of people in the API space are still almost coming from the opposite side of things. So it's still like this focus on, we want to build systems. And yes, they maybe they should be a little bit better uh, componentized. But in the end, we're thinking about building a system that I think is still a lot of the mindset that people have. And and I'm I'm always trying to really differentiate between systems and ecosystems or between hmm. distribution and decentralization where it's always important to think about is the stuff that I'm doing under my control or am I living in the world where only part of what I'm doing is under my control and I really want to use other parts but not all of them are under my control and I think this is really something where we still don't quite have the same perspective that people have who really think about building global information systems where it, it's clear that, of course, most of the stuff is not under my control, right? There's no way around it. And I think that is, that is a perspective sometimes that I still find very valuable that, that I have because that's how I, I got to this space and where more of that sometimes less systems thinking and more ecosystems thinking could be uh, helpful. You mentioned that and it reminds me of another thing that you've talked about quite often, this notion of landscape, right? Of designing, not necessarily designing uh, an exact set of immovable objects, but sort of designing a space where you nurture and grow and garden or whatever, whatever the metaphors metaphors are. I was, uh, I was thinking of you, uh, thinking of this topic and knowing we were going to be talking today when I heard a, a doctor make a comment. And this doctor said, um, doctors tend to think of themselves as gardeners more than mechanics. Mm -hmm. We're helping the body, in the case of medicine, we're helping the body to repair and change and adapt. We don't actually just replace parts and then go on our way. And I think there's some of that in, in, in what I've heard from you and learned from you before about this idea of developing a landscape. You talked a little while ago about being able to kind of, you know, 
pick a best piece. And I think one of the other things you mentioned um, in, in that article and in that talk was this idea of determinism, of API determinism. Um, and maybe, maybe they're similar. Am I kind of getting the idea that, that there's some sort of idea that's similar here? I, I, to me, that's a different thing. I think what, what I, the term I use most often is techno determinism. You know, you just put some techno technology in place and then you expect great things to happen. <laughs> and I think that is, it, it's a different thing in my mm. mind, but it's definitely, uh, uh, I think still something that we see a lot where, where we have this this mindset that people think, oh, in this other company that was hugely successful, they had a uh, APIs. Mm, so mm -hmm. if I put some APIs in place or if I just put some infrastructure in place, if I just buy a gateway, um, everything else will follow. And, and that um, typically doesn't work great. Um, so we, I think we, we've all seen enough of uh, our space that we know that the technology problems tend to be the easy ones, right? So if these right. really are the only problems we still have to solve, typically that's really great. Mm -hmm. In most cases, it's much more about organizational issues around right. um, business, business strategy issues, right? Do, do people even know what they want to do with it? I mean, it's still amazing to me when, when you get to this point, which, which another nice phrase that I love to use, the Spice Girls questions, right to ask the spice girl question so if somebody tells you we want to do apis you say uh tell me what you want tell me what you really really want <laughs> which in the end right nobody wants apis i mean oh, why would somebody it? really oh. uh no uh, <laughs> right yeah that, that, that's great yeah i but think i think have a nice picture on a slide with it but uh yeah, again, right? It's like a lot of people, I think, don't really think that through. And that's kind of strange when then you have to talk to somebody who says, yeah, we want to do APIs. And you ask them, well, tell me why, so that we can make sure we make it happen in a good way. And they can't really tell you much about that part. Right. <laughs> this is the API experience. Yeah, I've seen that so much. And it's, it's amazing. I, I think that a lot of times it's that it's not that the organization doesn't know what it wants, but I think a lot of times organizations and business and IT teams can be so sort of fragmented that what started as a business request as it goes down the down the line through the broken telephone ends up in the IT lab and they are excited about the technology and sort of lose track of what the business need is. But I think another thing you, you touched on, which which maybe, you know, helps to overcome that. It was an extremely unfortunate period of human history. But you mentioned the impacts of, of COVID-19 and that actually having a, an impact on, I guess, the technical technology space, but, but specifically around the API space. So what, what did you see as the impacts of the, the, the results of the pandemic on the API world? I think it was just that a lot of businesses just had pretty existential issues around how to keep functioning and be profitable as a business. And they had to, in many cases, they had to radically shift their business models to stay viable. And I think that kind of external push was really very extreme compared to many other things. I mean, oftentimes, of course, markets change and you have new competitors and so forth, but it probably not very often is as radical as COVID-19 was in, in some 
ways where you basically had, if you didn't have any good ways of how to do stuff online, how to build whole new value chains where you can do new things or you can do old things in a new way. And I think in particular from a business strategy point of view, I think this made it very clear for a lot of people and much more directly clear than this kind of rather abstract talk of digital transformation. And everybody says, yes, we probably need to do that, um, but we'll take it slow, right? And that made it very, very direct, right? It's like, well, if you don't get this done very quickly, like we just don't have any revenue and we'll go bankrupt. And I think that that kind of external constraint is really something rare of, to, to, to be of that size and to be that dramatic. So you, you did see a lot of businesses making really big changes and understanding that, hmm. well, maybe it worked this time, but next time maybe we should be a little bit better prepared. And I think that really um, made a lot of organizations look a little bit closer at what they're doing and, and not just also necessarily changing the way they do business, but also thinking about how quick can we change right like what's our changeability i think that's another big thing where apis can help a lot where you say even if i don't radically change my business model now but if i have to radically change it in a year can i do it or do i have to rebuild my whole business and it that's a really really good point so i uh, among lots of other lessons um covid19 was forced really pushed the agility button for a lot of organizations in the re in the real sense of the word, the small a, how could I, you know, like you said, how can I change? How much can I change? How rapidly can I change? And how, how can I do that successfully, you know, with security and so on and so forth. And I think uh, uh, one of the other things you talked about was this thing where organizations uh, focus a lot on the craft of building an API or building a piece of software or deploying a piece of software. Um, and you, you talk about, uh, how that is important, but it's, it's not the only way to think about how you solve problems that focus, you know, solely on this craftsmanship. Maybe you can sort of give, uh, listeners who haven't, haven't seen the talk yet a little bit more about, um, what organizations maybe should be focusing on when it comes to API strategy and, and management. I mean, one thing really is that. If you want to use APIs well, I think you need to use them strategically, meaning that you need to know why you want to use them, right? And that that really that I can that loop oftentimes really is not closed enough. And I um, one thing I also like to tell organizations is actually there is no API strategy. You should have a business strategy, and part of that should be a digital strategy, and part of that should be an API strategy, but you should not have like an isolated, because I, I mean, I have had enough organizations basically, you know, approaching you, and I've, I'm sure you've had the same thing, telling you, can you please give us an API strategy? And right. I mean, you should always say no, because that would not be a good idea, because they should write their own strategy, and it should be mostly their strategy, but in terms of what are the things that we think we should do and why do we think that APIs can help us and how do we think they can help us? And that gives you then actionable goals that you can actually pursue and say, because this is what I want to achieve with APIs, here is what I'm doing so that I actually achieve those goals. And, and those things sometimes can be pretty 
different. So in some cases, right, you still have some organizations that I would say are, in my mind, a little bit too exclusively, but for whatever reason, that is what they do, too exclusively focused on we want to make money with API. So we want to sell API access to external consumers. And that's maybe a goal to have. I think way too many organizations are thinking that is a good goal to have, but that's another discussion. Um, but if you have that goal, right, so then you have to think about, okay, how do I design APIs that will attract external consumers? How do I design them well so that they will be easy to use? How do I set up a portal so that they're easy to find? How do I have like an onboarding session, uh, onboarding model so that consumers can easily try them out and so forth? And that's a very different goal from the one that, that you are just mentioning, Mike, where you said, let's say an organization wants to change itself. It, it wants to become more agile as an organization where then you would say, well, what I actually want is I want to API enable all my internal capabilities. I want to reduce friction between different teams. I want to have self-service models so that coordination overhead goes down between teams. And then you have very, very different things to focus on that, that you should do when you execute your API strategy, right? Where it's much more about how do I even figure out what my different capabilities are? How do I teach everybody internally what a good API is? How do I help them to do it? How do I scale up this practice? Because I may have hundreds or thousands of developers who are now expected to understand what we're doing here and how do I make sure that they really understand it and act accordingly, right? That, that becomes a very different exercise from this other thing where you say, I just want to have APIs as external um, interfaces that generate money by directly selling them to, to the outside. So I think in the end, it's really important there to think hard about why you're doing that and to always go back to that original motivation. Otherwise, you just end up in this kind of like activist thing where you just do things because others may be doing them, but you don't really have like a business reason to go back and say, this is why we're doing this. This is the goal we want to achieve. And here's one more step towards that goal. Yeah, it's such an important point, Eric, around the areas of focus. And, and even at that top level, starting with the business, you know, business reason, business justification for the API strategy, which can be mixed too. But, but even when you delineate it from a business perspective, it takes you down this different path. Do you think... Like, do you think it's uh, because so much of the tool set is focused on the technical areas? Like you talk about this opportunity for better business tooling when it comes to API management, right? And, and uh, you know, th this gap that's there where people aren't thinking, like, do you think that comes from the fact that the tooling isn't there? Do you think it just comes from um, people not having the priorities set? Or do you think that, you know, people just don't really understand all the business value that they might get out of a mature API management implementation. And and and, and I guess on top of that, like, do you, what types of tools would you envision to address that gap? Yeah, that's, I think that you're right with everything you said, so to speak. There's a combination of all these factors. So as one example, so I, I worked with a large uh, German uh, manufacturer of car parts, and they actually had in there, like, issued by the CIO, right? They had a statement that in there kind of had almost like a copy of the Bezos 
mandate, right? Like everything we build will have an API uh, from now on. And, and that statement when I was there was like two years old and nothing they built had an API. <laughs> and, and it was kind of interesting, right? So, so on the one hand, of course, I mean, there were different layers to this, right? Like one was that it was just like the statement just stood there without any kind of explanation. And that is like then, of course, you're, it, it, it's hard to just take something for granted if, if you don't understand why or if somebody doesn't even try to un, try to explain mm. to you why. And the other thing is there was no follow through, like no execution. It's like, okay, that's a good statement to make, maybe, but then what are you doing, right? Like, mm. show me your API program. And they didn't have any. And, and then you say, well, why do you expect these things to happen when you just say somebody should be doing that? <laughs> and, and then yeah. you're hoping for the best, right? And, and of course, it didn't happen. And, um, and I think in part, it, it comes back a little bit to this techno-determinism that, that uh, we spoke about earlier, where I think for, for some people in the business space, APIs still just feel too technical. They, they hear good things about them. They hear presentations that talk about all the money you can make with APIs. They hear about Twilio and Stripe and who knows what, and about the Amazon story, right? So they know that, oh yeah, that good things can happen. Um, and they don't care enough, I think, about what actually happened, right? Of course, APIs were involved, but the good things happened not because of APIs. The good things ha happened because somebody had great business ideas, right? Like Twilio or because somebody wanted to build a really, really flexible enterprise like Amazon. And, and those were the goals. And APIs were an essential component of it, but that was not what was driving the thing, right? What was driving the thing was really the business goal. And I think this is really, this, I think there really is a huge gap in, in educating. I like to call this API literacy, um, you know, just talking more to business people, explaining them really more. It's like, why do APIs matter? How much do you need to understand? But also, what do you still need to do to make this happen, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's not just telling your techno, telling your IT people, uh, do APIs and everything will be great, right? You, you have to invest a little bit more in that. And yeah, the tools, I think, um, are still, I mean, if you look at what we have right now, developer portals and marketplaces and API catalogs or whatever you call these things, mm -hmm. they're all very much developer-centric. Which is not bad, of course. I mean, you need developer-centric um, portals and marketplaces because developers will have to understand how your APIs work. But I think we also, but I've been saying that actually for a couple of years now, so maybe I'm just like a broken record. But <laughs> I really would like to see more tools that are targeted at business people, right? Where you have kind of an overview of what an API does, like what it does for you, a value proposition, rough, like here is what you get out of this API and, and just like a little bit of a flavor of why this is a valuable digital building block. And, and none of all the, and you send this JSON and then you get that status code back and so forth. Yeah. And I think that would help people to much better understand that in the end, what you do there is you kind of build up digital supply chains. And and I think this this understanding is still something that we 
don't have enough. And um, but there's good stuff happening. So just like two weeks ago or three, whenever that was in Melbourne, I saw this presentation by a small startup called Criteria. And they they build like a little kind of business oriented language, which is more like this kind of a flow chart mm-hmm. or yeah, language of okay, this is how you use this API. Not not very technical, right? But just saying, okay, this is how this works. You send us this, we send you this, and then this happens. So so something that is more targeted explaining the business value of an API in a, in a simple form that doesn't require any technical expertise. And I, I still hope to see more of this appearing. Maybe uh, it's just kind of a pipe dream and will never happen. <laughs> but in my mind, this is really something that could help to kind of bridge that gap between kind of these, these, these two abstract business ideas of the magical powers of APIs and then the sometimes too disconnected from business ideas, I, uh, ways of how we just put some API stuff in place and think that, okay, these are APIs, so everything will be great. Yeah, it, it reminds me of uh, another mutual friend, Gregor Hoppe, has this uh, story he tells about, you know, at uh, Google, nobody says, well, that's an interesting idea. Let's go talk to IT. <laughs> There's no difference between the interesting idea and uh, the business and the technology, it's all, it's all sort of the same thing. And I think this gap that, that you're talking about, it sort of sounds very familiar. Some of this I think is, I, I think I heard you say, uh, business people need to get a little bit better vocabulary, a little bit better versed on what APIs are and, and, and you know, where that is. And I think also technical people need to get a little bit more business focus and, um, and spend a little bit more time thinking about, well, how does this meet our business goals? Sort of your API strategy conversation, I think. Um, and I think that also sort of goes back to what you talked about earlier about this notion of the unbundling, right? We've had API management for quite a while. Um, and there's this notion of breaking things down into smaller parts. And, and I don't need the big monolith, the the Gatasaurus, I think, or API Asaurus. I can't remember what, what, what the phrase is. The, the Gateway Saurus. So, the Gateway Saurus. Okay, that's what it is. The <laughs> Gateway Saurus. So what what do you see, again, with all your travels and all your experience, where are some significant innovations in this closing the gap in this bundling space? Uh, where are they happening now? And where do you think they'll they'll be going in the near near future? If you can sort of let us clue us in here a little. Yeah, I, I think there's just like cool new tooling popping up all the time and and just following that space and seeing how it can help me in my organization to improve my API journey. I think that is something that um, becomes more and more important. Um, so, for example, in that in that presentation on the Kuovati's um, API management, right, so I, I kind of build up the story of these, these cool new tools that become available and I try to make it increasingly, let's say, sophisticated and explain to people that, you know, all these things are, are useful tools. So I start with linting, which I think is by now something that a lot of people are doing. They use some kind of linting tools to make sure that their API definitions maybe follow some kind of guidelines. Then I build it up a little beyond that to mocking, which is something that 
fewer people typically do. But again, it's it's a technical thing that you can do to maybe help with a design. Um, it can also help with testing, right? It's just another thing you can have in your toolbox. And, and then the third one that I use is a fuzzing. So fuzzing is a sp specific way of how you can test APIs. It's a very smart technique. And again, it's just one more thing that somebody came up with and it, it can help you to improve your kind of API journey and to make sure that the toolbox that you're working with becomes richer and makes you more productive. And, and that's a little bit, I think that is a little bit of a problem, so to speak, that the space now is so big that it just becomes hard to follow. And, and to be honest, right, so this a little bit in my mind, this also, of course, helps me because one of the things that I do I try to help organizations with that. I try to, to do some coaching. I try to you know, tell them things that hopefully help them to be a little bit more effective on their way towards a, a better API management and better API landscape. And it, and it is a space that is becoming increasingly complex and dynamic. But in the end, I think it just means more opportunities to, if you know what you want to do, to find good ways of how you can get this done a little bit more effectively. Awesome. And, 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 and special consideration for not going down a big generative AI rabbit hole there, <laughs> which we could easily. <laughs> oh, do you want to <laughs> wait? Are we talking to Eric? Or is this generative AI? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but just just today, and now now you, it's your fault, it. man. I started. Uh, it. Yeah, but just today, and I, you know that's that's the thing, right? Just today, I talked uh, with uh, Aiden Kniff of Optic, yeah. right, and they just launched this thing where they kind of do linting, but with ChatGPT. Right. And it's, it's just kind of cool to see. I mean, maybe it's not what you want to do or maybe you want to wait a little, but it's just all these interesting ideas popping up here and there. And if maybe so far you thought, oh, you know what? Linting is a little bit too rule based for me. I, I have my rules are too complex. Uh, it doesn't work for me. Right. So, well, maybe that's something for you. But at least it's something I think where you can when you know that it's there, you can have a brief look and see whether that is something to consider and maybe to pick up. Yeah, and, and to your point earlier about sort of having a view of what the capabilities are, you know, it, I think it, it, it allows, and, and, and taking the landscape view of getting the structure in place, it allows you to set up more uh, useful and safe experimentation when, when all these new technologies come along. Yeah, right. I mean, ideally, that's what you should be. I think that's how all these API programs should work. They should encourage their developers to do experimentation, to try out new things. And then when they have found something that's interesting, right, report back to us and maybe we'll make it part of the platform and then everybody can benefit. Absolutely. All right. Well, well thanks again, Eric. I, I think you, you laid out what a gruesome travel schedule you had over the last few weeks. So it's great. You're going to finally have some time at home. Um, and one of the things I think you'll be able to do is, is uh, you know, your YouTube channel, uh, Getting APIs to Work, uh, which is a great, you know, it's a great place for our listeners to learn more about the work you're doing. But also you have some phenomenal guests on there sharing their expertise in the API space. Uh, what can our listeners look forward to uh, in terms of going to your uh, Getting APIs to Work channel? Well, yeah, so just today I recorded one interview with Aiden Kniff of Optic about their, their LintGPT tool, which is that linting tool that is based on ChatGPT that, that I think is actually interesting. Another thing 
that I also did today. Today was a busy day for me. Was uh, with uh, David Bisak of Aperture. So mm. he has a awesome Substack where he talks about the language of API design, and and we had a little series going on where we talk about domain models for APIs, and then we talked about Open API, and today we talked about JSON schema. So there is a lot to learn in terms of like a little bit more technically focused, I would say, in terms of the languages involved in API design. But generally speaking, I try to find a good mix of, I would say what I mostly try to do is kind of do teasers, talk a little bit about interesting things, interesting things I've encountered, interesting technologies or tools, just mention what they can do, how they might help, and then point people in the right direction. And if they're interested, that's fine. Go and check it out. And if not, that's fine too. So mostly I see my channel as a way for just getting a little bit of inspiration about what's happening in the API space. I would just point out, um, I think Getting APIs to Work is a great series. You've been doing it for several years now, I think, right? And um, I've had the honor of joining you a couple of times and and it's it's a lot of fun and it's it's very very valuable great feedback so I encourage everybody to definitely check out the uh, the YouTube channel I really thank you a lot Eric for all the work you're doing on that stuff yeah thanks yeah no you've been I think you are by far uh, the guest that has been on my channel the most times you're <laughs> leading. <laughs> By, by a long shot, <laughs> there you go. but uh, yeah, it, I mean it's it's been a lot of fun. I started, I think I started uh, actually with you, Mike. You may remember that we did the first yeah. videos we did together in New York and in San Francisco. Um, yeah, that's right. And then um, they all happened in Zurich because of COVID. <laughs> but, yep, exactly. yeah, so it, it has been like over three years now, and it has been a lot of fun. And yeah, and I'm very grateful for everybody who checks it out because it also it's it's just a good feeling to create a resource where at least it, yep. there are some people who are interested in it. I know it's a niche, but it's a it's a fun niche, and it's one that I like being in. Awesome, and thanks so much. So so thank you for sharing just a just a little bit of that wisdom that you've shared. I think everyone can go there and see the whole library of videos all sorts of topics that you cover. Uh, and so anyway, huge thanks, Eric, for joining us today. Yep. Uh, it's been a wealth of knowledge and insights, uh, and it's always fun just to chat. We learned a lot. Uh, I'm sure, you know, hoping that our listeners learned a lot. Uh, so, so big thanks. And thank you to those listeners who have joined us. I hope you learned as much as we did on this API experience, and we look forward to bringing you the next API experience. Bye for now. <laughs>